much for standing. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can take it to the book of Joshua, chapter number three. If you don't, the words will be up on the screen. We're in a series entitled, I Love My Church. And um, I kind of like this series for so many reasons, because ultimately what we are saying is we love people. Here at the church at Southridge, we're saying we care about people, because the church is not just these four walls. The church is those who gather together. That's who we're saying we love, and we love those that are outside of the church, too. We want to bring them in. We want them to have the hope and life that we each get to experience. And so that's what we want for people. And so this series has really been just kind of what are the keystone things about our church. And each week we've been talking through the first week we talked about the fact that found people find people. That if you have received that gift of salvation, you've trusted Christ as your savior. It is our privilege to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus in the parable said, hey, there was a shepherd that left 99 sheep to go after the one. That's what God gave us as an instruction, as an example that we go after the one. The next week, we talked about that there's no perfect people allowed. That when it comes to church, we don't come because we think we're all perfect. We think we have it together. No, we come to church because we know we don't have it all together and we need some help. We need some encouragement. We need some healthy community around us to encourage us. And so that's the second week. Then last week, we talked about how saved people serve people. When you're saved, it is the greatest privilege that we get to serve one another. We get to help and serve and be a blessing not only to the church, but then to our community, to our neighbors and our coworkers. And we saw the example of Jesus in John chapter 13, washing the disciples' feet. And he knelt down. Here is God in the flesh stooping down to wash some dirty old feet. What a humbling example that Jesus gave. And so we went through that. But this week, this week, we're talking this fourth and final installment of the I Love My Church series. We're talking about being on the bank of a breakthrough. You say, wait a minute, no, 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 it's supposed to be called being on the brink of a breakthrough. You'll see why in just a moment where we said being on the bank of a breakthrough as we look at Joshua chapter number three together. But before we get there, I want to play a little game, and it's called the Word Association Game. Anybody ever heard of the Word Association Game? Okay, a few of you have heard it. Okay, so it's real easy. And uh, I'll say a word, and you just say what's associated with that word. So I'm going to say moo, you would say? Cal. Pretty easy, right? If I said cheddar, you would say? There we go. If I said 40, you would say? Oh, there we go. Somebody said old. Somebody said Niners. Okay, so the word association has multiple meanings. Okay, if I say Texas, you would say? Oh, there's a lot of different. I heard Alamo barbecues, all kinds of things. I mean, there's lots of different things for word association. Let me try one last and final one. What if I said church, you would say? I heard a lot of love on that one, but I heard a lot of others, and I heard some people go, mm-hmm, like, like church, and mm-hmm, I, I don't know what mm-hmm is, but that's great. You see, when it comes to church, it's not as easy with the word association. Like, we know this should be love, we know it should be a key to the church, but when it comes to church, sometimes there are things that get lost. The Bible talks about that my house would be called a house of prayer. So prayer, we know, is a tenant of the church. We know that love. Jesus said, you are my disciples if you love one another. So we know that's, that's core to who we're supposed to be. And we also know that faith, the Bible says, for without faith it is impossible to please God. So we see that faith is integral to the life of a local church. And so we see all these things with this word association. And so that's what this series is all about. It's drilling down what is our church all about? Because there's a lot 
lot of differences on what the church is all about. But we at Southridge, we say this. We say we're to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope in our city. That's what we want to be. That's what we strive to exist. And what, that's what we're praying that God will accomplish through our body, through our gathering. But as we look at Joshua chapter number three, let's notice if we can in verse number one as we dive into this fourth and final installment. The Bible says, in the morning, Joshua got up early. Then he and all the children of Israel set out from Shittim. You got to be careful when you say that word. And came to all Jordan. There, there they stayed there before crossing over. After three days of the officers went through the camp, they commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levite priest carrying it, then you shall set out from where you are and go behind it. There must be a distance of 2,000 cubits. Say 2,000 cubits. Help me out. That would be 1,000 yards. 1,000 yards. So a little over three football fields. That's how much space is supposed to be between them and the Ark of the Covenant. You say, what's the big deal? The Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be the, the representation that God's presence was with them. That God's presence was there. You weren't supposed to touch it. It was kept in a temple. And uh, this temple was made of curtains because they were traveled. They were a nomadic people. They're about to come into the promised land. And so God said, hey, keep a thousand yards distance around the ark. Don't go too near it. But God does specifically say, keep your eyes on it. Keep your vision on it. Which reminds us that God, he wants our focus. He does. Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He wants our focus. He doesn't want just our focus, though. He wants our faith. He's pleased by our faith, our faith when it's placed in him. So let's continue reading. Verse number five, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will perform wondrous deeds among you. Joshua said to the priest, pick up the Ark of the Covenant and proceed ahead of the people. So they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to honor you in the sight of all people of all Israel, so that they may know that just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the bank of the Jordan, stand still in the river. This passage of scripture sounds really familiar for the children of Israel. Matter of fact, we could almost say it's a deja vu moment, where it just kind of seems like, wait a minute, we've been here before. You ever felt like you've been somewhere before? You ever come across a problem in your life and it seems like you encounter that same issue? You're just like, I can never get past my anger issue. It just seems like, man, at work, I just blow up. I, I can never get past this. Or maybe it's a jealousy factor. You just say, you know what? I've never been able to conquer my jealousy. I see my neighbor get a new car, and I want a new car. I see my neighbor get some new shoes, and I want new shoes. I see my neighbor, they get a new dog, so i got to get a new dog. I see my coworker being blessed, and I want to be blessed. And maybe there's something that keeps coming up, and you're just like, I can't seem to get over this thing. I can't seem to grow past this. And it's a deja vu moment. And so for the children of Israel, they have been here before. Matter of fact, it's so similar because this time they're going to cross over the Jordan River. Now I've been to Israel and I've been to the Jordan River. And when I was there, there were people getting baptized in the Jordan River. They wanted to be baptized where Jesus was baptized. They're wearing white robes and they're baptizing each other. It's just awesome to see it. But where I was in the Jordan River, man, it was just a nice, calm stream. Really nice. You just wait out there and it was a couple feet deep and you just get baptized. And uh, wasn't that wide across? And then I went to the part where they... They said, this is where the children of Israel crossed over, and it still wasn't much of a river. So I'm thinking, what's the big deal? But as we're going to discover in this passage, they say at this time, this is the harvest time, the river, which is normally about 100 feet wide, they said is almost a mile wide. 
and it's rushing because there had been a lot of snow in Mount Hermon. And so where this river starts is Mount Hermon and it flows down from this highest point in Israel to the lowest point in Israel. You know the lowest point was? The Dead Sea. So the Jordan River flows from the highest point to the lowest point. And so they couldn't cross over because now this river, which usually is about 100 feet wide, is now almost a mile wide and it's deep and it's rushing. And so all of a sudden the children of Israel, they come to this river and man, all of a sudden, some of them are getting flashbacks. Some of them remember this story before. Matter of fact, let me read the verse of what the Bible says that God told Moses. You see, in Exodus chapter number 14, the Bible says in verse number 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. That's awesome. God said, hey, stand still. And then we ended it in verse number eight, where once again, we see the same words. God says, stand still. Oh, isn't that just great? Now they get to wait for this miracle that God's going to do, that they just need to stand still. But here's the thing, though. If you back up in verse number two, it says they're waiting here for three days. They're waiting. This passage of scripture is filled with so much imagery. It's full of so many references to other places and other things that are going to happen. So imagine you're about to come into your promise. You see, the children of Israel, they've been slaves for almost 500 years. Now, if you've been waiting on on something, all of a sudden, there comes a point where you're just like, I can't wait anymore. I want to hurry up and get to my promise. But all of a sudden, they're excited. And in verse number one, you can just sense the anticipation. And then they get to this Jordan River. And it's almost like, all right, God, let's just cross over. But God intensely, verse number two, the Bible says, and it came to pass after three days. They got to wait for three days. Now, think about this if you're me and, and you were there. For three days, what are you staring at? You're staring at an obstacle. You're staring at something that's blocking between the promise and the payday. You see, all of a sudden, they're saying, God has given us that land. It's just, just over there. I can see it. Man, I can almost smell it. I can almost touch it. But there is a barrier between here and there. And I want to get over there. I want to get over to my breakthrough. I want to get beyond this thing that keeps tripping me up, this thing that keeps messing me up. But there's this barrier. And some of us, when it comes to transitioning, we don't transition well. Man, this week, my kids started school, and I was a very disappointed father. He said, why were you disappointed? Because I wanted them to come home after school and be like, please don't make us go back to school. Please don't take us back to school. It's so hard. We want to stay with you because we love you, Father. Please, we'll do anything if we stay there. But no, they didn't. They love school. Matter of fact, I drop them in the morning, and I grab both their hands because I'm that kind of a dad, and I want to walk them into school. I want to give them their hugs and their kisses before they go into the class. But you know about the third day, you know what they were doing? Daddy, no, no, it's embarrassing. You wait. You just wait over there. <laughs> they're seven and five, and they're already embarrassing me. I was like, what in the world? Why are we starting so early? I figured I at least had till junior high. No, no, I'm already getting robbed. I don't transition well. My kids apparently transition way too well. See, they're already like, we're on. We're ready for the next thing. You know, we're ready to go. But sometimes we don't transition well. So children of Israel, they're waiting. And sometimes the longer you wait, you start to lose hope. Because now, their backs are against a wall, a wall of water. You ever felt like your back was against a wall? You ever felt like it was just like, no hope, what are we going to do? And God has you waiting day after day after day. And you're thinking, when is this going to break? When am I going to go through my breakthrough? God says, stand still. And some of us, that's the hardest thing to do is to stand still. You're like, I just got to be doing something. God's like, no, 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 just be still. Just be still. But then I keep seeing this thing in three days. And then I was thinking about the New Testament, something about three days. I was thinking about this, this man by the name of Jesus, who for three days was in the tomb. 
But then after three days, he brought salvation. He brought life. He brought resurrection. See, the Jordan River is a picture of death. How Jesus took death for us. And for three days, they're waiting. For three days, we waited on Jesus in the tomb. But that tomb didn't hold him. Right now, you may be in a standstill moment. You're on the bank of a breakthrough and God says, stand still. And you're thinking, God, I just, I don't want to stand still. This is so difficult. God, help me out. Help me right now. You say, why would God have him wait? Because there was this moment where Joshua said, hey, we need to consecrate ourselves. You say, what do you mean consecrate? This is the Hebrew word Kadesh. And it means to be hallowed, to be set apart because there is no passing without God's power. I would write that down. You see, God didn't want them to pass from this stage without his power because they were going to need it. They're about to go fight some battles. They're about to go face some enemies. And so God said, hey, I don't want you to pass from here without my power. So to have my power, you've got to be consecrated. There's some things in your life that you've got to change. There's some things you've got to do differently. We see that when the children of Israel left Egypt, it took three days to get out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. As you look back at the children of Israel and you study what happened while they were in Egypt, it's really fascinating. Because when they first came to the nation of Egypt, you know what they were? They were shepherds, weren't they? They kept herds and they kept flocks. As a matter of fact, at that time, Joseph, he was the second in command. And the Pharaoh at that time said, hey, I'm going to give them the land, your family, the land of Goshen. That's the best fields. That's the best, best plains for their cattle and for their sheep. And all of a sudden, that's where the children of Israel got to reside. But then 400 years later, what do we see the children of Israel doing? What are they doing? They've transitioned. They go from shepherds to builders. Now, some people say, oh, they were slaves. They were forced into slavery. Hold on, hold on. Let's stop for a second. What kind of slave owns a house, owns cattle, and livestock, has freedom? See, here's what the type of slavery it was. It was self-imposed slavery. You know, there's some things we can willingly choose to be slaves to. Some of us work slaves to our debt. Our debt has just bound us up, and we're slaves to it. Some of us, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an addiction to something. Well, we're bound. We chose that slavery, and it's a self-imposed slavery. You see, the children of Israel realize, hey, there's a booming economy. Hey, for 400 years, we can help build this country. Hey, this shepherd thing doesn't pay as well as this building thing. They're building buildings. All of a sudden, we're, there's, there's a, a Jewish uh, contractor saying, I can make some money right now. Man, this, this, whole, this whole shepherding thing, this isn't working, guys. And it smells bad. I want to do somewhere I can make a little bit more money. I want to build, build one of them pyramids. I want to build one of these Egyptian obelisks, these little skyscraper things. And man, I'd be famous, and I want to help do that. And they didn't know they were picking a self-imposed slavery. And so God says, hey, you got to consecrate yourself because you got to let all that go. You got to get back to who I've called you to be. You got to get back to the shepherd. You got to get back to all this. And so sometimes God has you in a standstill moment because he's trying to get you to consecrate your heart. He's trying to say, hey, before you move on, before you cross over, before you experience a breakthrough, right now we got to deal with some things. So stand still. But then notice this. The difference between the Jordan crossing and the Red Sea crossing kind of blew my mind. Because the Bible says that God wants to do a new thing. Isn't it interesting that even when Jesus did miracles, he didn't always do it the same way? One time, Jesus touched a blind man's eyes. The next time, he spit on some dirt and he grabbed that mud and he put it on the guy's eyes. One time, he just said, hey, blind man, receive your sight. Another time, he's got to make some dirt 
He spits in some dirt and puts it on his eyes. First time we see the children of Israel, all of a sudden, what happened? Jesus, God told Moses, hey, just stand still. I'm going to do all the work. And God did all the work. All, all that Moses had to do was hold out a rod. That's all he had to do. And then the Red Sea began to split. But you notice what happened here? Something different happened here. Notice you would, verse number 12. The Bible says, Now therefore take twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand up as a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of water for the Jordan overflowed at the banks at that time of harvest that's when the waters came down and stopped that's at the moment you see sometimes God says hey stand still and I'm going to do the miracle but this time God said no 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 you're not going to stand still hey go get the priests imagine the priests they're walking and God says get 12 of them and these 12 priests they're walking towards this river that's overflowing And all of a sudden, God says, hey, do you trust me? Do you trust me? They're walking closer. And man, for three days, they've been staring at this raging river. They've been seeing big old dead tree branches floating down this river. They've been seeing all kinds of destruction and mayhem happening in this river. And they're thinking, we've got to go down to this river. And when you've got those flood storms, it's not a crystal clear river. It's pulled out all the mud and debris. And all of a sudden, what had been eroding the, the riverbank was now eroding their faith. And you can imagine as these priests, they're walking with the ark and they're walking towards and they're getting closer. Closer and closer, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, and some of you feel the same way. You're like, I'm going to church, I am giving, I am serving, I am trying to love my spouse, I am trying to serve my children, but yet nothing is happening. I've been praying for a relationship, I've been praying for a husband, I've been praying for a wife, I've been praying for a baby, I've been praying for a new job, I've been praying for my miracle, and you just keep marching, you think, God's not doing it, God's not doing it. He said, the first time, God says, stand still, but this time, this time the miracle is different. God says, you got to do a little work, you got to get your feet wet. He said, the first time, they got to stand and got to stay dry, didn't they? This time, God said, the miracle is different you got to get your feet wet. So here's the thing. The Bible says, the feet of the priest. So this is what this means. You see the Ark of the Covenant was carried on poles, and these guys are carrying it. And imagine these priests. First priest, he steps his foot in. Nothing happens. He takes another step. Nothing happens. It wasn't until the last priest's feet touched the water that that's when the miracle happened. It wasn't until the last person was in the water that that's when God said, I'm going to do my greatest work. It's when you and I say, I'm not just going to stand still, but I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in. You see, a lot of us want to stand still and watch God make the miracles happen. But it's when people say, I'm going to step in. It's when somebody says, hey, I'm going to get involved in somebody's life. It's when you say, I can serve my neighbor. It's when you say, I can serve my spouse. It's when you say, I'm going to step in. Because God says, the miracles that I did for your friend, and many of us, that's what we do. We say, God, you gave them a new house. Give me a new house. Just like you gave it to them. You just gave it to them. They had a relative, and that relative left them a big inheritance. God, just do that for me. God, man... Uh, yesterday I was getting gas at the gas station. This gas station is so smart. Remember how it used to say when you get your gas, do you want a car wash? 
You ever seen that? You're like, no, we never go to gas stations. We have a little crank forward and we crank it. Okay, welcome, 1984 people. And, uh, you know, and it's one of those things. You're like, no, I've seen that. And so you come in, and man, I was getting my gas, but this time it said, would you like a lottery ticket? I was like, wow, they're good. They're good. It's a dollar, and I could win like eight bazillion dollars. I was like, man, they're so smart. How easy. I almost pushed it. I was like, well, God, we need a building. Like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is a sign from God. But then I knew my wife would see the car deal. You, you gambled. I was, I tithe. I would tithe, you know. And maybe that's how some of you are thinking. You're thinking, God, that other person won the lottery. Give it to me like that. Or God, man, Christian Mingle worked for them. How come it's not working for me? Or God, this other person, they got pregnant and they just kissed each other and they got pregnant. How come I haven't gotten pregnant yet? And, uh, and all these things. And you're going off and you're thinking that God's going to do the miracle the same way as did it at other people. And you have to understand that sometimes God says, what I did for them is not how I'm going to work for you. But you still need to cross over. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. Regardless if God's going to do my miracle the same way as somebody else, I'm still going to cross over. I'm going to get to the other side. And I'm going to say hello from the other side. Yes, I'm channeling Adele. And so you're going to get to the other side and you say, yes, I want to see God do some great things. I'm going to go over. I'm going to cross over. I'm not going to let anything stop me because I'm going to stand still, but then I'm going to step in. You see, they've been there before. It kind of helps when you've been there before. It kind of helps when you know. And so God said, hey, I was there in your past. I'll be here in your present. And I'll be there in your future. But sometimes what happens is we get stuck. See, God didn't want them to stay stuck. God wanted them to move forward. And God wanted them to step in. And so what is God telling you this morning that you need to step into? That you've been waiting on God, saying, God, I'm just waiting for you to work. And God's saying, hey, how about you get busy doing something? How about you get busy serving? Many people would come up to me and say, hey, when did you get the call to plant a church? Or when did you get the call to get in ministry? When did you get the call? I just said, I just started serving God and I volunteered and he took me. Sometimes we forget that God will take a volunteer. Come on, amen. God will take a volunteer, right? God will take a volunteer. You say, God, I don't have the ability, I don't have the skill, but just here I am. God said, I have not chosen the wise, I've chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. I've chosen the weaker things to confound the strong. You see, when God wants to use something, he almost on purpose finds something that totally doesn't make sense. Yesterday we had an awesome time at our men's breakfast. It was incredible. And I shared this with the men and I'll share it today. A dollar in your hand is just a dollar. But a dollar in God's hand is so much more. You see, a couple loaves of bread and a few fishes in your hand is just a sack lunch. But in God's hand, it could feed Levi Stadium filled with people. That's what it can do. So as long as you're hanging on to it and you're saying, I'm not going to step into this, then guess what? You're missing out on some of the greatest miracles. Some of you say, God, I want to see your miracles. God, I want to see you do something like you did on Pentecost. And God is saying, okay, step into the moment. Get involved. Do something. Don't just wait on it on the sidelines. I already did that miracle before. I'm done doing that miracle. Today I want to do a new thing because I believe we serve a record-setting God. I don't believe he wants to do the same thing that he's always done. That's boring. God's not a boring God. God's like, I want somebody who has a dream, who has a vision, who will challenge me. So maybe in your business, you say, God, man, this year we did this. Next year, I want to set the goal higher. You Maybe you said, this year, my marriage, we grew in this area. I want to grow even further. Maybe you're saying, hey, my tithes and offerings, last year we gave this month. I'm going to stretch it even further because I want to see God do miracles. Here's what happens in the church. We get bored 
bored with the basics. We get bored with the routine. And so we need to always be challenging ourselves to go to new heights, to go to new levels, and say, God, I'm going to step into this moment. I want to be challenged. And I see here in this passage, that's what they're doing. They're saying, we're going to cross over. But you say, oh, it's scary. Man, I, I don't know if I should step out. I don't know if this thing about tithing's got me all up in knots. I don't even make enough money as it is. Or man, this thing where uh, witnessing my coworker. Or man, I'm in the middle of a, of a real financial crisis. Or I'm in the middle of a real uh, uh, emotional crisis. Or I'm in the middle of a, of a health crisis. Did you catch the fact that God told these priests to stand in the middle of the river? They're right in the middle of the river. Did you catch that? They're just standing in the middle of the river as about two to three million people are now going to pass by them. they got to stand there. Have you ever been to a theme park like Disneyland and you just try to get to one end of the park to the other? Yeah, it'll take about four days, all right? You better buy some lunch. You better bought a wheelchair. You better bought some comfortable shoes and a stretcher. And God forbid you got toddlers because you got to carry them. It's like, man down. You know, they're flying in choppers to airbag them, okay? And it's, it's hard to get across. Imagine two million people. They now have to cross the Jordan River and you got to stand there. Didn't you draw the short straw today? That's the junior priest job. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, junior. Hey, come here. Yeah, yeah. I got a job for you. You're, I'm pulling you off the bench, but I'm off the bench. You got your robe? Oh, I got my robe. Oh, I'm always right. I got my robe. You got your little loincloth thing, little shiny breastplate thing? Yeah, we got that. Okay, good. Hold this. How long? All day. Why, thank you for allowing me to serve Jesus like this. This is just great. And they get to stand there. But here's the thing. What are they carrying? They're carrying the ark. Here's the thing about the ark. Inside the ark, there was the Ten Commandments. There was a little uh, bowl, and inside the bowl had some manna. And next to the manna was a rod, and that rod still budded, and it still produced almonds. It was a picture of God's power, his presence, and his provision all inside. It was really a picture that God's there. So get this, get this, don't miss this. In the middle of the river, the most dangerous place, there was God in the middle. So whatever you're facing, you say, I don't know where God's at. He's in the middle of it. So the thing you've been so afraid of this week, and you're like, I got to confront this person. I got to talk to this and we got to work this out. And I'm so nervous. And I'm telling you today, will you quiet your heart and say, God, I know you are there. I know you're in the middle. And it reminds me of when Jesus hung on a cross in between two thieves. Where was he? He was in the middle. So whatever you're facing, whatever mess you feel like you're in the middle of, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is in the middle of that. That you, if you're afraid, just understand that, wait, I can go to where Jesus is. But here's what's even better. This is crazy. This blew my mind. This was called the Ark of the Covenant, okay? It's the what? The, help me out, the Ark, right? And the River Jordan, what, what was happening? It was flooded. There was an Ark. And there was a flood. There was an ark, and there was a flood. Help me out. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see where I'm going? There was an ark, and there was a flood. What's happening? God's saying, I got you. Just like in Genesis during that flood, I prepared an ark to save eight people and all of the animals. God says, I got you. I got you protected. In John chapter 10, the Bible says that we are in his hand, and no man can pluck us out of our Father's hand. So whatever you're afraid of, whatever your anxiety, whatever you're feeling like, I got to take some medication, God is saying, this is the ark. And even though there was a flood, I already prepared this ark for you. But here's the thing. This gets even better. You got to see this. This just blew my mind, okay? This went so. This was just 
awesome. The Bible's so amazing. You just got to read it and fall in love with it. God will change your life, okay? So the Bible talks about how the flood, how he stopped this raging river. And God says, here, here's what God says. I just got to read it for you. This just blew my mind. The Bible says in Joshua chapter number 3, verse number 16. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up as a heap, very far from the city of Adam. The Bible says in Romans that because of one man's sin, death passed upon all men. Who's that one man who sinned? Adam. And death passed. So God is saying, here's the ark, here's the flood, and here's Adam. And guess what I did? I brought salvation. I brought healing. I brought a miracle. So what you're so worried about, God is saying, I've got this. I've got you. So you and I, we can say, I can stand still. I can step in. But then notice in verse number 17. The Bible says, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm. This is the hardest part of the whole message. It's been awesome. It's like, man, this is great. You know, God is with me. I can do all things with Christ. This is great. I'm all pumped up. Where's my tri-tip? Where's my t-shirt? I had a great day in church. Amen. Bless God. And you're going to give a million dollars today. You're so happy about it. It's just going to be a great day. Uh, no amens at that part. All right. Okay. Tough crowd. It's all right. We'll keep moving. And uh, so all of a sudden, we see here in verse number 17, we see that we're supposed to stand still. We are supposed to step in. But here's the hardest part. We're supposed to stay there. Stay there. The priest didn't leave. All day they stood there. Sometimes we give up way too soon. Sometimes God is saying, hey, I've got a great work. I'm going to do something awesome in that relationship. I'm going to do something great in that job. I'm going to do something miraculous in that church. I'm going to do something great in your child's life. I'm going to do something amazing in that relationship. But who quits too soon? We do. God told these disciples, these, these guys to stand still. You see, at least in Exodus, they got to walk through, right? They got to pass through. But here's these priests. They've got to stand firm. The Bible says they stood firm. They stood there from early in the day till the very last person had passed by and they still stood there because then Joshua said, hey, everybody's through. Excellent. Give me 12 guys. Big guys, not little guys. Give me, give me some really big, strong guys and you, you, and you. No, not you, but you and you and you. Yeah, excellent. All right, guys, I want you to grab those 12 stones and I want you to carry them and put them in the middle of the river. We're going to build a, a little monument and then I want you to grab 12 stones from the river and pick those up and I want you to march those over to the side and we're going to build another little monument, a little altar. And man, what's they got finished doing that because it may have taken a little while to get these 12 stones and 24 in total to move them here and there and then once they had built these two altars that's when the priest finally got to leave so they waited even longer I, I feel like sometimes we just give up too soon I feel like there's some people here you're ready to throw in the towel so to speak when God is saying wait a minute sometimes you have to stand firm Sometimes you have to say, you know what? This isn't the moment I would have picked. I wanted my miracle to happen now. I want it to happen like this. But me leaving isn't going to make this better. The saddest thing that breaks my heart is when I see so much potential in people and they leave too soon. 
They quit too soon. They walk away too soon. They don't see what could be. They don't get to experience the great things that God has for them. So not only do we need to cross over, but we need to stay and stick it out. We need to embrace what God has given us. Can you be consistent even when life is complicated? That's tough, isn't it? Because usually when life gets complicated, that's when we leave. It's too difficult, it's too complicated, it's too hard, it's too messy. I know a lot of people, they leave a church once it gets kind of messy. Because every time you've got people together, guess what? It's going to get messy. But God can bring greatness out of a great mess. God can do some incredible things. And guess what? The longer you stay at this church, I'll probably hurt you. You'll probably hurt somebody. It's bound to happen because we're people. But here's what we've got to understand. We don't just walk away. We don't just give up. We don't just say, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel. We say, no, God has a purpose. God has a plan. I'm going to be consistent. I don't usually carry cash. Matter of fact, I rarely carry cash because I'm a sucker. If you need money, I will give it away to anybody. So I stopped carrying cash cash for that very reason. And I didn't like lying to the person on my way to Starbucks. Hey, you got some spare money or spare change? And I, I just, as a pastor, I felt like it's kind of wrong to, to lie. I think, I think it's wrong for anybody, but as a pastor especially, I didn't think it was right. And so I stopped lying. And uh, Pastor West still does, but we, we're praying for him. And uh, we'll, we'll lay hands on him later. But, but I didn't want to carry cash. But if you have a $20 bill, there's a president on that $20 bill. His name's Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson has a couple of nicknames. One of his more famous nicknames that he actually ran his presidency on as the seventh president of our United States was Old Hickory. Old Hickory got his name because at the age of 14, he lost all of his family. He was an orphan. Two years prior to that, during the Revolutionary War, Old Hickory was ordered by a redcoat to shine his boots. He refused. The redcoat pulled out a sword and slashed his wrist to the bone and then slashed his eye, carrying a scar for the rest of his life. They then threw him and his brother Robert into prison for two weeks. They beat them so badly. They treated him so badly. His brother Robert died in that prison. It was Andrew Jackson who then was told to take the army to Tennessee and they were going to march and help support New Orleans. And on the way there, as soon as they got there on that difficult journey, his men were sick, they were tired, some of them were wounded. They get there and they're told to disband and to go home. He said, what about my men? He said, they have no food, they have no help, it's going to be hard for them to get all the way back to where their homes are. And so on that long journey back, He gave the sick and the weakest horses and clothes and whatever they needed, he gave it all. He walked from New Orleans back to Tennessee. And that's where his men gave him the nickname Old Hickory. The seventh president of our United States was a famous duelist. He loved to get into duels. He shot and killed many people and he himself was shot many times. He lived most of his life with two musket rounds buried in his chest the doctors could never get out. Old Hickory. One of the quotes that I read about him this week blew me away. Old Hickory was known for saying this short little phrase, I was born for the storm. I was born for the storm. This week, when you face something that you feel like there's no way, when you're staring at your Jordan River and what's normally a hundred feet wide is now a mile wide, 
When you face something that you thought you could take, but this week you're like, I can't take it. When you thought that marriage that would last for 40, 50 years, all of a sudden you get the paper served that it's over and you say, I can't take it. When you find out your children are involved in something and you say, I can't take it. When you feel like your job and you can't do it anymore and you feel like you can't take it, you just remember, I was born for this storm, that God has created me for more than this. I'm a child of the Most High God. His power resides inside of me. I am chosen by Him. I'm redeemed for a purpose. God has called me to something greater than this, so I'm not going to give up short of my breakthrough because I'm on the bank of a breakthrough, and I'm going to experience my breakthrough in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're closing up this message. Let's all stand. I believe that God wants to do some incredible things. But you need to understand today's decisions will become your past, which will show up in your future. So today you will make decisions that will define who you become. And we're all becoming something. No matter your age or your stage, you are making decisions that will determine your future. And so this morning, we're making a decision to say, you know what, there are times God's going to ask me to stand still. There's going to be times where God's going to say, you need to step in. And there's going to be times where I'm going to need to stand firm and not walk away and not give up. And I'm going to ask God to do some incredible things. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we wrap up this this series entitled, I Love My Church. May you and I be encouraged to say, God, there's a breakthrough, there's a miracle, there's a dream, there's a vision that you put inside of our hearts, and I'm not going to walk away, I'm not going to give up, I'm going to continue to see you.